You're listening to the Food Freedom Life Podcast. My name is Brittany Allison, and I spent six plus years stuck in diet binge cycles, hating my body, and envying others who seem to have it all because I never felt enough. What I discovered in my journey to food freedom and becoming a registered dietitian is this. You can either live your life at war with your mind or learn to work in sync with it. So if you're ready to learn how to be in tune with yourself and evolve your life, welcome to the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Food Freedom Life podcast. Today, we have a client story episode, and I'm really excited to be doing this interview with a past client, Sydney. Welcome, Sydney. Thank you, Brittany. So nice to have you on the show and so nice to see you after such a long time. It's really nice to reconnect with my past clients this way. It's so good. Yeah, this is great. And so why don't we start off with maybe you telling us just a little bit more about you as a person. Who are you? Where are you from? What do you like to do? Okay. So my name is Sydney. I'm from Newport, Rhode Island is where I'm living right now. I'm from this area. Haven't ventured out much, but as I mentioned to you before, I am looking to move more of a city type area, urban feel. I graduated from URI in 2021 um, with a bachelor's in nutrition, which I was originally planning on using that to become a registered dietitian like you are. That wasn't what ended up happening, but, you know, it's okay. My, My path led me to other places and I'm happy there. Right now, I've been exploring the past couple of years, really things that I'm interested in and hobbies and just growing myself as a person. I, you know, always grew up like just not knowing what I like and not really have many interests. And now I feel like I have a lot of interests. So I have two cats and they got me really into cats and cat behavior. So I spent a lot of time with them. I spent a lot of time at the local animal shelter working with cats specifically, um, ones that have behavioral issues, tough adoptions, kind of just helping them become more adopted and socialized. Um, I enjoy baking. That's something that's new. And um, another thing that I've gotten really into, if, if you follow like astrology type stuff at all, it's not really like that, but it's like auras and aura colors. And, and that's just so fun for me too right now something that I would have like kind of hid from people right and like never been like oh I like this but um you know it's just it's like I'm telling myself it's okay to be different than other people Mm -hmm. um so that those are like the main things that I'm kind of into right now I love that I love that. And yeah, I think there's something that's really special about just being authentic and sharing what you enjoy and what you're into, regardless of what other people might think of it. Right. Exactly. When you don't, I feel like you keep your world really small. Like when you embrace like the authentic you, you're just keeping it small for yourself and it doesn't need to be like. Yeah, totally. And you know, you might find somebody else who's really into it and connect with that person, or maybe you talk to your friend about it and they get really into it. And then you also have somebody else to talk about it with. So it's nice to, yeah, just have that ability to share. Yeah. Love that. Way to go. Thanks. Maybe getting into the deeper stuff. Where would you say that your issues with food and body image started? When did that begin for you? It's kind of funny growing up truly never had an issue with 
my body or eating. I will say with a caveat that I, you know, always was a smaller size, relatively average, right? Growing up, teenage years. I do have to say, I think my mom did a great job of really never mentioning weight, body image. I mean, occasionally she would do little things, but I don't think it had a huge impact. Like she would call me things like skinny mini. There were some connections there between good and thin, right? Like positive skinny mini thing, but it really truly wasn't over the top. Like Mm -hmm. it, you know, I don't feel like that really had an effect on me. Um, It wasn't until I was in my early twenties and I don't blame one of my friends for this at all, but I had a friend at that time who clearly had her own stuff going on, right? Like we all know people that like, they don't mean to put or project their insecurities onto you, but it happened. And I was so primed and ready at that stage to absorb all of it. I kind of looked up to her very much so. I saw her as a person that had it all together and was someone that I wanted to be like. And I think that because I was so, had no boundary there between how do I feel and what do I believe in and what did she believe in and what's right there, I took it all in really um, and really got into that. And I don't, again, I do not blame her at all, but there was a lot of talk about body image, and being a certain size, Mm -hmm. and it not being good if you didn't fit in this very, very, very narrow constriction of what the right body is and looks like. Mm -hmm. And when I think back to how I used to kind of think in my baseline brain, right, there were all different bodies all around me all the time. And I had a much larger, I wouldn't say it was perfect. I wasn't accepting of every single body that I saw, but like I had a much wider net for like, they look great. That looks great. She looks great like that, that, you know, like, and it wasn't just this one picture of this. That's what it's supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. So I would say in my early twenties was when I started picking apart myself and not feeling good enough in my natural body if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Were you in school for nutrition at that time? No, no, I, I was in college, but I was in college for something else. And I graduated probably around 23, 24. When I went back to school for nutrition, I was 27. Do you think that influenced your decision to go to to school for nutrition? Absolutely. I think that by the time I was wanting to go back to school, I was kind of in like a quasi recovery state mm-hmm. where I wasn't really um, doing the same behaviors that I had when I was really in it and really obsessed with my body. Mm-hmm. But I also wasn't healed enough to, first of all, stop projecting some of the stuff onto other right. people or to really in a state of being able to say that this is the career I want to go down Mm. because I'm in the right space. Um, So it was definitely, I would say the entire time I was in school, it was like kind of more of like a quasi, like 
it's not totally taking over my life anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started meeting with you because I still wasn't happy. Yeah. Yeah. I just asked because I mean, for, for me, that's why I went into nutrition in the first place. Yeah. Like I would never be a dietitian now if I hadn't had an eating disorder. Right. Yeah. Um, it's so true because totally. you can relate on such a level that if you haven't gone through it already, mm-hmm. it's hard to make those same types of connections. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's true. I mean, your path is your path, right? And it, yeah. Even though you didn't end up necessarily becoming a registered dietitian, you still, I'm sure, had really valuable experiences and learned a lot of things. Maybe part of it also pushed you into going through recovery in the first place, too. Right. You know, it wasn't like so much what I was learning in school, although I learned a lot and the education is a great piece to have. It was more about the experience and the space it gave me. to heal. I just really, because of the eating disorder and other things I was going through, I needed that time so much. It was so precious to have like two years of things just like slowing down and almost going back. You know, Mm -hmm. like I was very fortunate. I have a, a husband and everything who supported me through this. And I understand like I'm blessed to be able to have this space. A lot of people don't get that. And I needed that time and to figure myself out more. Mm -hmm. It just helped you kind of slow down. Yeah, it really did. What was it like for you when you were in that place? So I guess like it all started. This is, I can almost pinpoint, honestly, like when it all really ramped up and started, you know, I had people telling me certain friends, you know, with sizes and and a lot of comparison there. Mm -hmm. But what happened was, is I decided, you know what, I am going to get super thin. Like that was my thing. I was Mm -hmm. like, I am going to reach this goal of being like this one type of thin. And so I got a personal trainer at the gym and, um, how she does it is she tells people to count macros and stuff. And so I got on board, I got with it, you know, gym six days a week, I'm going to count macros. And that is where things really like took a turn. Um, talking about being a perfectionist, it was like, if every blueberry wasn't weighed to the gram, I was a mess. You know, it totally took over my life when I was in it. I counted every single thing that I ate, every gram of everything, gum counted as a gram of carbs. Um, And the way that it would like take up my brain space was the scariest thing. I would be thinking about this from the minute I got up to the Mm -hmm. minute I went to sleep. I would be on my phone, on a fitness app, trying to line up every single fact protein and carbohydrate gram on the money to get the exact amount of grams in every day. And if I didn't have it all figured out for the entire week following that day, I could not rest. I would not let my brain get away from this until everything for the entire week was perfectly lined up. I'd spend my entire day at work figuring this stuff out. Mm -hmm. And I did this for a few months. Okay. And what happens after a couple of months of doing this perfectly is you get one day a week where you can refeed, they call it. I think you did count your macros as well. So I did. And that's 
when things escalated even further, because that was the day of the week that I could drink as much as I wanted and eat as much as I wanted. And so at that point during the week, I would be counting everything, every, all my macros are perfect. And I was also obsessed with reading menus and food labels and items of food and everything that I was going to eat on that repeat day. So that also became another huge focus. Um, so it just, I couldn't do anything at that point with my life. I couldn't go out to eat with friends. I couldn't say yes to things. I had to get home to meal prep, to count my calories, count my macros, to exercise. Like that was all my life was. And I finally reached like the weight that I kind of wanted to be at. And um, I was just so afraid at, at that point, so scared to gain any weight, to stop doing this. Like I was like, what if something comes up and I can't? get my macros today? What if I, you know, the smallest inconvenience was like, oh my God, I need to get home. It was the most important thing. I acted like, you know, nobody else's problems mattered. I have to get home and count my food, which is such a sad, selfish place to be. And I have to admit and say it out loud that like I lived in that space of, my body matters more than other people. And that is really messed up. But it was like a sickness, like it took over me, like, that's not who I am in my soul. Like, I truly believe that. And I think people around me would say that, like, that's not who I am. But it's who I was starting to become. So um, after that, like trying to get rid of this isn't can't keep this up forever. I can't keep all of this counting, all of this food stuff and body image stuff up forever. Um, The process of slowly letting go with that was the messy, messy, messy part. You know, it's like, I, well, maybe I'll still count, but not as strictly, you know, maybe I'll do refeed days Saturday and Sunday. So I don't have to worry about the weekends anymore. It was a whole lot of that. Well, maybe I'll go over my calories, but I'll just start running more, you know, I'll go for an hour long run every day and that'll make up for it. So it was a couple of years of all of that bargaining, bargaining back and forth. Um, and finally it stopped to the extreme, but it was also, you know, I went through a couple more years of you know, I don't really count my stuff, but I still care a lot about how my body looks. And um, mm. yeah, it was, it's, it's been years of like slowly letting it all go. Yeah. Untying yeah. the super tight, tight knot that I had slowly untangling it. Mm-hmm. That's a good way of putting it. It's a good kind of metaphor to think about is like, you're slowly untying this massive, massive. knot that is really tightly wound. Right. And yeah, again, like what's the most sad when I look back at that time in my life is just how much time I spent thinking about myself and things that really didn't matter about myself at all. It wasn't how good of a person I was becoming or goals that I was reaching or interests that I was growing and have. It was incredibly superficial and selfish place to be. Yeah. So just really grateful that I'm, you know, I've gotten out of that. Yeah. Really proud of you. Thanks. But it's true. I mean, that that's kind of what the disordered eating does to you is it almost creates this like 
superiority complex where it's like I am superior for doing these things and I'm more important and yeah what I do and all of that matters more than going to this thing or seeing this person or whatever else like I have to do this it takes over right you hit the nail on the head like you can't be present like that for other people either you know when you're all in your head about this but yeah the superiority complex like as embarrassing as it is to admit that it's like true. You feel like, well, everyone should be doing this. Everyone should be striving to be this perfect. Like, yeah, really gross. And I get the ick. Like, <laughs> I don't want to be like that. But it's yeah. sad because it does. It brings us to that place. Yeah, it does. And that is not you. That is right. That's the disorder. That's what it does. That's what it does. And it sucks you in and the fact that you were able to kind of just start to see, hey, this is not me. These are not my values. This is not who I want to be. That's pretty amazing that you were able to do that for yourself and then just slowly start to untangle that, not untie it and move forward as right. messy as it was. Right. Yeah. And so why did you end up reaching out to me? Do you remember? So I think I reached out to you because, you know, although I felt like I was over the eating disorder and over the body image stuff, I just was still holding on to it. And to be honest, like I still like it hasn't gone away completely. Yep. Feels like something that's kind of always going to be there to an extent, right? I drilled it in my brain so much for so long. So it was really like trying to figure out like how to stop I guess it was like the compulsion of it all, right? The checking constantly, yeah. the, the compulsion to still like sometimes count calories or like to body check in the mirror. I didn't want to do those things anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, that was my main reason. Mm. You kind of hit your tipping point with that. You're rock I was bottom tired. Yes, yeah. I was just tired. Like it wasn't giving me any satisfaction. I knew I couldn't go back, which was yeah. a great feeling to have like it can't go back to restricting and and all of that but it's also like this is really bumming me out you know Mm -hmm. just still having these um and I was also like starting to binge eat more at that time too yeah which is probably skipping ahead a little bit but I was at that point where it was like infrequent binges and just oh why isn't this going away Mm -hmm. yeah and so you got to that place where you recognized, okay, I actually need to work on this for this to go away. It's not just going to go away with what I've been doing. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's the point that I think you get to it's where you've already acknowledged, okay, I can't restrict anymore. I can't go on another diet. That's not for me. I know that, but you're not where you want to be either. And Mm -hmm. that's really the point that it's like, okay, time to figure this out and get support or, or do something else because I could just stay in this place forever. And that's not what I want. Right. Exactly. And you bring up a really good point too, that it never really fully, fully goes away. Mm -hmm. And I, I hate to say it that way because that sounds really doom and gloom, but it's kind of true. And it's not to say that you're not healed or you're not, you know, you haven't done the work. It's just that we live in this culture and the society that is just it's everywhere it's everywhere all the time and sometimes that's going to look really appealing right it's going to make you question yourself or question what you've done or kind of 
make you feel crappy about yourself because that comparison bug comes up, which is very natural to us as humans. We compare ourselves. And so, yeah, it's not even, that's not even the goal necessarily to make it go hundred percent of way. It's just to really turn down the volume and Mm -hmm. have a greater awareness of when and why it's coming up and how to take care of yourself after. Right. The awareness piece is so much more there, right? So like I, I know when the thoughts are starting to come up and instead of just reacting all of the time, it's more of like, you just don't do what your brain is telling you almost. Yeah. (laughs) Like silly things too. Like, you know, you're making like a dessert or something and like a small piece of the brownie falls off and your brain is like, don't eat that brownie. Like you're going to eat a whole brownie later. Do not eat that one mm-hmm. inch square that just fell off. That that's what my brain does at least. Mm-hmm. So I will just eat it, yep. you know, just make yourself do it. And that sounds like, well, what do you, you know, you're not nourishing yourself. Right. But it's like, no, like that sort of thing isn't going to make a difference in yep. the nutritional value in my body, like that one square. So like you need to tell your show yourself mm-hmm. and get over that fear by plummeting right into it. When mm-hmm. I have a you know, an urge to weigh myself or something, which happens so incredibly infrequently now at this point, which is amazing. I love that. I ask myself, like, why do Mm -hmm. I want to weigh myself? And if the answer is anything other than for like science to see a number Mm -hmm. probably isn't a good idea to weigh myself right now. If I think, Ooh, I'm feeling good today. You know, I'm going to step on the scale. See if I went down a few pounds, not going to do it Mm -hmm. because that's not the point. Like, I don't want to see it go down and think that that's going to elevate my mood and feel better. I need to find another way because that's Mm -hmm. not sustainable and that's not true happiness or safety. Yeah. That is just, so, you know, different things like that are, Mm -hmm game changers when you can pause before you compulse (laughs) yeah the thing that your brain is telling you you got to keep doing you got to keep checking you got to keep knowing yeah Um, that's how I fight back Mm. yeah I love that it's not the absence of thoughts it's just knowing what to do with them and understanding the consequences and saying like is that worth it or not and you bring up a really good point with the scale is like do I actually want to reinforce that feeling good is because I've lost weight. Like if the scale does go down or if the scale hasn't gone down, do I now want to totally steamroll the fact that I feel good and feel like crap instead and go into a whole spiral about it? Exactly. No. Right. Exactly. And that's not saying that I don't ever do these things. I still make mistakes. I'll still, still get the best of me sometimes, but it's really nice that like, It doesn't happen so much. And I'm learning from those experiences. Yeah, absolutely. It's you, you have the tools and they're in your toolbox and sometimes you still fumble with them, but that's normal. Right. Yeah. What were some going off of what you've said, some main pillars you remember being really helpful in finding more freedom with food and becoming more of an intuitive eater? Hmm. Okay. Well, One huge, huge thing that has helped with like body image and feeling good, because when you don't feel good and you're having a negative body image, you are more likely to do the behaviors that got you there in the first place. Yes. Restrict and overeat. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so this clothing, wearing comfortable clothes, I just, I cannot stress that enough. Yeah. Whatever size it might be, doesn't matter. If it really bothers you, have someone cut the tags off. Wearing clothes that actually fits, you're going to feel entirely different because it does not matter what size you are. If you're wearing something that doesn't fit, you're not going to feel good. Mm -hmm. So like, I just can't stress that one enough. That has been like the main thing that has got me through this is I wear comfortable clothes now. What else? Just facing your fears head on. Like I mentioned before, like when your brain, when you know it's your, your disorder or your body image talking at you, pulling yourself away from that Mm -hmm. and challenging it in whatever way works for you. And just being like willing to try new things and consume new content and rewire the way that you see other people and the way that you see yourself, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which can take a lot of time because we programmed ourselves that things are supposed to be a certain way, but yeah, challenging those underlying beliefs and what you value and what you've been telling yourself, like that thinner you, smaller you, skinnier you is happier, is going to get more out of life, is is gonna like problems won't matter when I'm this size because I'm this size and people love people who are this size. It's just not the reality. Mm -hmm. And if you've been there, you probably already know that. So when the thoughts come up, reminding yourself of what the reality was, not what the fairy tale was, not what you hoped was going to happen. Mm -hmm. I've never been sadder, more lonely, more miserable in my entire life. I've never had a smaller life than when I was at my smallest size, which I thought was the answer. I thought Mm -hmm. that was the answer. And I've never been more miserable and lonely. When you're even at that place, your brain, it does try to trick you to say, oh, well, you're just not small enough. You just haven't gotten there yet. Right. You just need to do more. And, and then you'll feel that way. You'll feel the way you want to feel. You're just not there right. yet. And that's why you don't feel it. And even when you do get quote unquote there, you're so afraid to lose it. You're, you're so, you're just waiting to, oh God, now I have to maintain this. And I was at that stage for long enough. And it's like awful. You're scared to put on a pound, a pound of weight, which when you're outside of it, you know, that that's absolutely nothing, Yeah. but you're so scared to like lose that. Mm. It's, it's scarier before it happens right? The idea of it is so terrifying, but when you're actually in it and you're healing and you're going through it and maybe your body is changing and you're gaining weight, it's like you can acknowledge that, Hey, all of these terrible things that I thought were going to happen, they're not happening. And I've gained weight and doing a little better, actually. My life is a lot better. I have to say. And I, you know, back then this is going back like four years, five years when I was really in it. I would have thought that like the weight that I am now currently, I would have Mm. thought that I would have died. Like if you would have told me back then, like you're going to, this is the weight you're going to be. I would have died. And that's not to deter people from like going through it. Cause like, Oh, I don't want to gain the weight. It's like, no, like you have no idea how much better your life can get. And it doesn't mean everyone's going to gain the weight or gain the weight the same as I did. But it's like, it's just funny to me how like, (laughs) I would have thought it would have been terrible. Like, 
this is awful, but it it's really not. It's yes. really not. It's given yeah. me so much more opportunity. Mm. It's a good life lesson too, right? That these mm-hmm. things that seem so scary before we do them are actually okay. And maybe you could also use that for your move too, right? It's like, it's scary mm-hmm. moving away from the place you've always lived and the place right. that you know, and going somewhere different. But when you're there, you know, I, I know you're going to love it. It's going to be awesome. And exactly. It's no, not so scary anymore. Right. And you can always go back, you yeah. know, you, you know what it's like, not don't want people to go back to their disorders, but like, you know what it's like there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Not looking so good for you right now. Is it? So try something new because you already know what it's like here. True. And I mean, that is a fair point as well Is it, it is always there for you. It's not like you're yeah. signing this contract saying right. I can never go back and I can never do this again. Like right. you always have the option. Nobody right. is telling you, you can't at the end of the day, it's, it's your body. It's your life. You get to decide what you do with it. It's exactly what you said. You've been there. So let's try something right. different. And then once you have all of the, the whole story, then make more of a critical decision. Cause when you've only been there, you can't make a critical decision about it because it's just your comfort. It's your safe space, yeah. even though it's not serving you. And I do feel like every time you decide or start to decide to like leave a safe space, there's always a period. And for me, this period always lasts a very long time. I have to say for multiple things in my life, the gray period where you're back and forth, you're, I want to go back to that. I want to be free. I want to go back to that. I want to be free. And it's messy, but it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. If you're in that stage, you're actually doing a lot right because you had to change from being in it to get to there took a lot of work. And being in that messy period is one of the more painful stages, I have to say, but it is a part of getting better. That messy period is a part of getting better, even though it could seem like it's not at all. Part of my messy period after I was restricting and counting macros and doing all of that, other things came up. I stopped doing that, but then I started binge slash occasional bulimia. So Mm -hmm. that was still me trying my best to get away from that, but I got into something else. Yeah. And it took a while. I was like, well, this is worse than it was before. Should I just go back? And it's just, no, just keep pushing through and pushing through and pushing through. Yeah. That was just the evolution of it for you. Right. Yeah. And we move through these different things. And I think, you know, plenty of people, we can use the example of even quitting smoking, right? And sometimes people move to food and then they have to work on that. And that's the evolution for people. It's like sometimes other things come up and that's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. That's just you moving through in the way that you maybe need to in some ways. In some ways. Absolutely. Right. But it's like, let's not get stuck any one place. Let's keep moving. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You deserve better and you know that you want better. It is a lot of work. And I understand, you know, it can be hard when we have so many other things going on in our lives, but this does snowball into a lot of different areas. And like you said, it like this type of work can be applied to so many other things, relationships, boundary issues, all of that. Um, doing this work branches out into other things as well. 
So -hmm. don't feel like you're putting everything else on hold because you're working on this. You're going to see it apply to other areas. Really good advice. What other areas did you see it come up in? So I also came to a point where I had to quit drinking alcohol, um, which was the best thing I've ever done for myself. Um, and for a while it, it was like, I was, it was either alcohol or food. It was alcohol or food. Mm -hmm. Um, and man, I mean, that got really messy too. Uh, you know, it's really easy to not eat when you're just drinking and numbing all of that, but you're not doing any of the work and things just got worse and snowballed from there. Mm -hmm. So I use a lot of that, like apply that to my life and all other areas, like everything that you kind of say about eating and, and working on your values and your beliefs. What did I believe? I believed alcohol was how you're social. It was how you're liked. It was how you're funny. It was how you're sexy. It was all of those things to me. Mm. And, um, it was comfort. It was relief, just like food can be too. So really working through and knocking down a lot of those beliefs too, at the same time. Almost taking a similar process that we went through and applying it there. 100%. Yep. Going back, going, you know, going back to it because I didn't know what else to do. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Because I think that that's something a lot of people struggle with as well. And I know it's just like intuitive eating, it's being talked about more of, you know, hey, I'm trying to drink less or I'm trying to quit alcohol or whatever else. And it is a similar process because you do have to come face to face with a lot of the things that you believe alcohol does for you. Right. But the bottom line between like the wanting to be thinner and wanting to drink is just, you just wanted to feel, I just wanted to feel better with myself. And I thought that those were the answers to the problems that to feel confident and to be happy and to have friends and hobbies and a social life. Like I needed those things. I needed to be the smallest and I needed to be, you know, and I needed to drink to do those things, which it, again, with like the life getting smaller, like nothing gets smaller than that. When you eating disorder and addiction, I mean, you are left with nothing. Yeah. It really makes your world really tiny and very just small puts it in a box. Right. And I just, you know, I love to believe and I hope with everything in me that I'm on the other side of all of this now, but I look back and just, I didn't know who I was. I had no idea, you know, growing up as a like early, late teenager, early twenties, no idea who I was, who I wanted to be, what I believed in. And, um, we reach for these things, I think, because with the eating disorder stuff, like you said, like it's right there in front of your face all the time, Mm -hmm. right? Like being thinner, dieting, all of this as the answers, alcohol, fun, life, party, all of that. And it's just not true. So it can be so hard to relearn some of this stuff. It really is. And I feel for people that are in it because, you know, it sure does sound like the answer. Yeah, it does. And it's an easy answer, I think, too, because it's, again, it's everywhere. It's an easy answer. And it doesn't really require you to 
look inwards or challenge what you think. It's just like, oh, well, okay, this is here and this is this thing and great, let's go with it because it seems pretty normal. But maybe it's not. Right. And you can feel like everybody is doing it. Yeah. Right. Like you can feel like, well, everybody drinks and well, everybody diets and tries to lose weight. Mm-hmm. But nobody really talks about how it actually affects their life and makes them feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or or they they do, but they just kind of accept it again. Sure. You know, yeah. It's like applying that critical thought for yourself to these different areas, almost like in the same way that we do with you know, our religion, our political beliefs, or our mm-hmm. sexuality, we have to look inwards to actually figure out what makes the most sense for us. And we mm-hmm. sometimes do it in all these other areas, but we don't really think about it with our bodies or our relationship with food or our relationship with alcohol, because they're just so normalized. We're not prompted ever to really challenge the status quo with those things. Find your own path, right? I'm not like, I don't push it upon anyone. Like I'm here to talk to anybody about anything, but I can't tell you if you should or shouldn't be happy. Like I have no yeah. idea, you know, if, if you truly feel happy and, and that's the lifestyle you're choosing or the things you would like to pursue, then if you're happy, then there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You know, going on a diet or trying something out, that's fine. It's, but it does take a lot of courage to like really ask yourself if you're happy or not, because if you're not, then you got to do something about it. And no, I don't want to do anything about it. So, (laughs) you know, I put it off for a long time, but eventually you're going to have to face it or you're going to lose yourself. Mm. Food freedom. It really is about finding yourself. 100%. I know that I'm kind of an introvert. So what I'm trying to tell myself now is I need more space to nourish like the relationships that are really, really important to me right now. And it's not that I don't love other people or value friendships or relationships with other people. It's that I just don't have the bandwidth to be the person or the friend I need to be in every single one of these relationships. So it is okay to grow apart and have other interest Mm. than other people. And that's what it comes down to. It's like, these are the things, the direction my life's going in, the things I'm interested in. And, um, if they aren't aligning, it's time to allow yourself to have some space with those things Mm -hmm. so that you can nourish the things that need the nourishment right now. Yes. So it's like a weird way to put it, but no, I love it. That's a really great reminder. And yeah, just a good kind of check-in point because it can be really tough for sure. It can be really tough. Yeah. Yeah. Again, like nobody has to be the wrong one. And I think like that is the focus for me right now, because it's so hard to like not blame them and not blame yourself. Mm. Like it's okay to let this go. That can be so hard, but I don't think that that's productive. Just like getting mad at yourself and shaming yourself when you aren't perfect on your food freedom journey. It's the same thing. Yeah. Adding that layer of shame is not ever helpful. Right. It's not going to get you there at the end of the day. It's going to actually keep you stuck because you're, you know, when you feel so much shame, you don't want to reflect more on the thing. You don't want to look more into it. You want to kind of just brush it under the rug and move past. And we can't learn when we're doing that all the time. We just then keep doing the same things over and over again and getting meaner and meaner to ourselves because we keep doing it. Right. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Of course. And what's a piece of advice that you would tell somebody who's struggling with body image or with their relationship with food right now? 
Okay, the one that I already said before, but it's so important is buy the clothes that fit you, please. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. I don't care if it's one pair of sweatpants and you wear those five days a week. Like literally buy the stuff that fits you. And I think it's just like, know that like, how do I say that? Like wherever you are in your journey is a great place to be because it means that you're getting there. Like you're getting to where you want to be. And you're going to be able to give yourself all the time in every phase of the journey. That's what I would say has been the biggest thing for me. I always want to rush through the steps. I want to get to the next step. And then I want to get to the next step. But Mm -hmm. dude, sit on the couch and chill, watch Netflix and be in the step that you're in because you, it's a big deal. It doesn't matter how long it takes. I'm doing this for the rest of my life. So it doesn't matter how long this is going to take. Same thing for the alcohol. doesn't matter that I'm not talking or acting like somebody that's been in recovery for 12 years. Mm -hmm. Like I'm in the beginning of this and that's a great thing. And I'm going to take my time because I get my my own life. (laughs) So wherever you are, you don't need to rush it. Like you really don't. And I think that like in the beginning, like I was really excited. Like I was excited that I had gotten to this new phase where I felt good enough to do something like that. Um, but it also at the same time felt rushed. Like I wasn't really ready to be in this space and really talking about this all the time. Um, and that was okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wherever you are is where you're meant to be right now. Yeah. You don't need to be anywhere other than where you are. No, no, you don't. There's no point because you're sorry to say, but you're going to be doing it for a little while. You're <laughs> going to get better at it and it's going yeah. to get a lot easier, um, but you're going to be doing it for a while. So there's no reason to stress yourself out and try to get everything done this week, this month, this year. Mm-hmm. You don't need totally. to because totally. you, can, you can also just chill like for real. And that's such good advice because everybody, is it, is it? <laughs> yes, it is. No, it is because I mean, not everybody, but so many of the people who need this process and who go through this process are the more, you know, type A timeline perfectionist yeah. kind of people who yeah. are like, okay, well, <laughs> I've started this. So now I have to get from point A to be B as fast as possible in the most, in the most efficient way possible. And that's just not that's just not what this is. That's, and I think that's part of why people who tend to have those personality types need this so much is because they need that space where they can just kind of like actually find a middle ground. Yeah. And it's very normal to like, like the space between, and this goes for drinking too, like the space between when you realize you want to change something and realize that something is a problem from the time that you actually start to fix it to the time where you're feeling really confident and good in your changes. Like there is so much space in between that. It's Mm -hmm. not like I woke up one day and said, I, I don't like that I'm dieting and I don't like my body image stuff. And then I just change. It took so much back and forth and it's, it can take years. And I think it does take years for a lot of us. And that's not to discourage anyone It's actually kind of encouraging. And you don't need to be embarrassed that you dipped your toes in the water of recovery and body positivity. And then you, then you got back out. So embarrassing because we all do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was part of the process. So if you're dipping your toes in cool, that's Mm -hmm. great. That's a great first step. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's maybe just where you need to stay right now. And that's, that's okay. Exactly. Exactly. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your story. I'm sure that everybody listening got a lot out of it and really appreciated hearing from you and hopefully feel some hope now that they've heard from another person who's been through it and Mm -hmm. they can relate to. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so great. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. And it's nice to kind of just look back, right? Sometimes when you're kind of out of it for the most part and you're just living your life you kind of forget how far you've come sometimes and so it could be nice to kind of look back and just say hey yeah I did that that's pretty cool that's so true sometimes day to day it's harder to see but when you really look back it's like oh wow I am not the same person as I used to be and that's awesome yeah way to go thanks Brittany I hope these tips and these thoughts were helpful in one way or another, and I would be honored to support you and guide you through my food freedom coaching program into the journey of intuitive eating and healing your relationship with food and your body. If you're interested, the link will be in the show notes to book a free call with me, and you can check out all the details at brittanyallisonrd.com slash coaching. Thank you so, so much for tuning into the show. And if you have a second to rate and review the podcast, I read every single review. It means the world to me and it can help me get discovered. So thank you so much for participating and spreading the message of food freedom because the world really does need this. So thank you for being a part of this episode and for tuning in. I will see you next week. Bye for now.